welcome to the Perfume Making Podcast with me, Karen Gilbert. Now, I know that there are many of you listening to this who are in the process of creating your own perfume or fragranced product brand. Maybe you have one already, but you're not sure that you're doing everything right. Or maybe it's even a dream of yours to sell some of your creations one day. So if any of these are you, then you're going to want to listen to this episode as I'm going to be talking all about what you need to do to make sure your products are safe to sell. So even if you're just making products or perfumes for yourself or maybe your friends and family, it's always a really good idea to understand the safety considerations to make sure that you're not going to be inadvertently harming someone. Obviously, nobody wants that. So there is only so much that I can go into on a podcast episode. So I'll also be sharing some resources in the show notes. And I've also got a free tutorial and a blog post that I will link in the show notes too. That is going to help you with all of these things. So for those of you who are already inside the Artisan Perfumery Mastermind, we go through a whole module of this in module six. So go there, watch the videos, go through the workbooks. And obviously you guys have the Facebook group to ask any specific questions. I know a lot of you miss out this bit because it all seems a little bit overwhelming and difficult, but make sure that if you are in the mastermind already, you do go through that module as it's really, really important for when you're going to be launching your product line. So let's dig in. So there are three things that you need to keep in mind when making sure that you comply with safety regulations that are going to determine what you need to do specifically. So the first one, is my product a cosmetic or not? Number two is what is the product my scent is going to be in? Number three, and what country am I selling in? And there are also two different types of safety regulation that you need to think about when it comes to fragrances and fragranced products. So the first is IFRA compliance, and I will talk about what that is in a moment. And number two, country specific regulations. So there are also other types of certification that are optional, such as Cosmos and organic certifications, etc. But I'm going to leave those for a future episode and just talk about safety. So what I'm going to do is I know that I listed quite a few things here, but I'm going to break down each of those things bit by bit. So hopefully by the end of this episode, you will have a much clearer and less overwhelming impression of what you need to do to make sure that your products are safe to sell. So first off, is my product a cosmetic or not? Now, this might seem like a bit of a weird question, but there are different rules and regulations for cosmetics and fragranced products that are not cosmetics. So things like room sprays and candles, etc., maybe reed diffusers as well. So it would only be considered to be a cosmetic if it's designed to be used on skin. So that's really simple. Is it designed to be used on skin? Then it's be then it will be considered a cosmetic. Is it a home fragrance product or something that's not designed to be used on skin? Then no, it is not a cosmetic. So number two, what is the product that my scent will be in? Right. So we've determined, say that, yes, we've determined that we are creating a product that will be considered to be a cosmetic and it is going to be used on skin. But is it a perfume 
oil or spray in an alcohol base? Is it a fragrance for a shower gel? Is it a face cream that we're making a fragrance for? Now, all of these have slightly different safety limits when it comes to the scent. So some people think about the um, overall scent levels when it comes to a product. So what is the limit of a fragrance in, say, a face cream compared to a body spray? We'll go into this a little bit more when we talk about the IFRA regulations, but generally it comes down to the individual components of your fragrance, which determines the limit. So it's not always a blanket thing. So if it's not a cosmetic, you need to also ask yourself, will there be any kind of skin contact even accidentally? So for example, if it's a candle, probably not. So you're going to light the candle, it's going to sit on a shelf you're not going to have any accidental skin contact with it really. But if it's a reed diffuser and you are going to be flipping the reeds over, so you're going to be touching the reeds that might be covered in fragrance, yes, that needs to be considered. Also, if you are creating a room spray, the, you know, is there any way that that could come into contact with skin? Maybe we need to consider that. If it's a plug-in air freshener with a sealed unit, then again, you're probably not going to have any skin contact. So there are different rules and regs. So just answer these questions and I will explain all of it as we go. The third thing you need to consider is what country are you selling in? Now, the country of sale as well as the country of manufacturer is really important as each jurisdiction has got their own rules and they are going to change over time. So make sure you are familiar with the rules and regulations in the countries that you are selling in. For example, if you are in the USA and you are only selling to other people in the US, then you need to comply with the FDA regulations. But if for whatever reason you want to sell in European stores or maybe you want to sell in the UK, you also need to make sure that your products are compliant in those countries too. Now, if you are in the UK post-Brexit, we now are not part of the EU regs. Um, We have our own UK cosmetics regulations that are pretty much the same as the EU. So there's nothing different there with the exception that we have to go through everything twice, basically. <laughs> and we have to comply with EU regs if we are selling in the in Europe and we have to um, comply with the UK regs as well. And if we want to sell our products across the pond, obviously we've got to um, comply Um, with EU and repeat that process. But we have our own notification portal. So one of the things that you have to do in in Europe is to notify your product and upload all your information to the EU cosmetic regulations portal. Now, post-Brexit, we still have to do that if we are selling in the EU, but we also have to do it on the UK special portal as well. So we've got twice the work, really. Okay, so once we know what we're dealing with and where we are selling, what are the two different types of regulation that we need to keep in mind? So we already talked about the country specific ones. So let's start there and then we will move on to the more tricky one, which is IFRA. And I'll explain all of that in a moment. Um, As and here's the thing, your country regulations. So whatever regulations your country say 
you need to comply with in order to sell a product, um, they are compulsory. So there's no way around it. Doesn't matter if you are a small independent selling on Etsy or whether you are selling to a big store. Anything that says it's a countrywide regulation. So I'm going to use um, the UK and the EU here because I'm in I'm in the UK. So we must comply with UK regulations here in the UK. And if we're selling in the EU, we must comply with with the EU regulations. So. And technically, IFRA, again, if you don't know what IFRA is, I will explain it in a moment. IFRA technically is voluntary. So I will talk about that a little bit more in a moment. And also why I suggest that you do comply with IFRA, even though it is not compulsory. And again, as I mentioned before, you need to check and you need to familiarize yourself with your country's specific regulations, as this is what I'm going to say today is not necessarily going to apply to every country. Um, But I'm going to base this information really on the UK and the EU, as that's where a lot of people um, also, if you're in the US, you might be selling to us over here and in the EU as well. So and the reason that I will cover those specific regulations is they are actually the most strict. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, if you can make sure that you comply and you're familiar with these regulations, then it will be an easy job to make sure that you are compliant with the, you know, your own country's regs. So, The EU and the UK regulations are not optional. As I said before, they're compulsory. And mostly they are concerned with labelling, actually, and ensuring that you are giving the correct information to your customers about the safety or the potential hazards of the product. So if you are selling a cosmetic product, you need to make sure that you get a cosmetic product safety report from a qualified person. Now, this qualified person is usually called a safety assessor and they need to be, they can't just be your mate (laughs) or they can't be you. You need to have a specific um, qualification. You need to be a chemist, toxicologist, etc. And you need to log your product on the relevant cosmetic portal, as I mentioned before. Now, I will put some information, some further information about this in the show notes. So you can do a bit more reading around what a safety assessor is, you know, who you might use, etc. So for this cosmetic product safety report, you're going to need to have your labels ready with all of the correct information and they need to be in the proper format. Now, caveat here, do not go ahead and get any labels for your products printed before you've had your safety assessment because the safety assessor might come back and say, actually, you need to change this and this on your label and you don't want to go get a whole load printed and then have to redo them. So make sure your labels are ready to go to print, but you will need to send a dot, you know, a PDF of your label, how it's going to be laid out with all of the information in the proper format. Now we cover this again, we cover this in module six in the mastermind, but you can also find information online of the proper format of how to lay out your labels. You will also need something called a product information file. Sometimes it's referred to as a PIF, P-I-F, and you'll need all of that with all of your documentation about your formulation, your ingredients, your your, um, good manufacturing practice, all of the bits and pieces to send to your safety assessor 
and who will then need to sign it off and approve it for sale. Now, some safety assessors also will give you the service of uploading it to the portal as well. Some don't. So, you know, and prices for that depend on country, safety assessor, etc. So there are lots of different options for you. Um, but again, what they are going to be doing, they, they're not necessarily testing it in a lab unless it's a water-based product. So you can do your own stability testing yourself. Um, if it is a cream or a lotion, you will probably, you will definitely, and not probably, you will definitely need to get your preservatives tested as well. Um, and that is something that a lot of safety assessors do. But what we're talking about here really is getting your product approved and signed off. And they don't need samples of your product. Usually all they need is the documentation and your formulation um, in a specific format. They don't need to know your entire formulation for your fragrance anyway. Um, but again, you know, this that's there's a lot to it. So I don't have time to go into all of the ins and outs. So if you want more information about what is required, go ahead and have a look on the blog post that I will link and there's a free tutorial that you can watch as well. So there are going to be some specific materials that are limited or that need putting on your labels such as the allergens. But really mainly with the exception of a couple of materials, these regulations are mainly about labeling and that's something that a lot of people miss. So Again, as I said, not every country will need a safety assessment. So again, check with your country and whether you need to have a safety assessor, whether you need to upload it to a specific place. Now, if your product is not a cosmetic, so if it's a candle, if it's a room spray, if it's a reed diffuser, etc., it will be classed as a chemical and therefore it comes under a different labeling requirement. And that is something called CLP. And you're still going to need to include allergens on the label, but it's a slightly different format. You will also need to include things like hazard, whether it's hazardous to aquatic life. So if it's poured in the sink, is that going to cause a hazard? Is it, you know, environmental issues? There are specific icons that you need to put on your products. You will also need to put on the label, whether it's flammable as well. And if you go have a look in any store in the UK or Europe and you have a look at a rediffuser packaging or a candle packaging, you will see all of these little hazard and flammability labels on the box. So you'll be able to familiarize yourself with those. And it doesn't need to be signed off by a safety assessor, but it is worth, in my opinion, getting advice from an expert in CLP to help you with your labeling. Um, because again, it's a little bit of a complex thing, especially if it's a flammable liquid, you will need to know the flash point of it. And the flash point is the temperature at which it would, would combust or, or catch fire. So you need to know all of these things. So there are lots of different candle companies, candle supply companies who do offer this service as well. So um, I would definitely suggest if you're not familiar with CLP, this is the first time you're doing it, get advice from an expert in this area. So let's talk about the fragrance regulation that gets everyone confused and that is IFRA. So I-F-R-A, IFRA. So what is IFRA? So IFRA is the self-regulating body 
of the international fragrance industry. And it was really set up to help fragrance creators produce safe perfumes, but also keep their formulations, which actually are their creative intellectual property, a secret. Now, lots of people think that oh, because we don't put our entire formulation of our perfume on the label, it means that perfumers are hiding something, they're putting toxic things in, it's unregulated. And that that is not true whatsoever. But what you need to keep in mind, two things, fragrances contain like 100 sometimes of different materials. So there is absolutely no way that we could list all of those things on, on the packaging for a start. Also, even if we did, the majority of people would not understand what those materials are. So it's of no consequence to most people to know the name of every single ingredient in your perfume. And three, you know, we are really wanting to protect the IP of perfumers who are artists and, um, you know, we want to, we want them to be able to keep their intellectual property confidential. So what is IFRA? So IFRA's compliance really is voluntary. So not everybody, you don't need to comply with IFRA. It's not, unless you're actually an IFRA member. So you can become an IFRA member, you can pay them a fee. Um, a lot of, pretty much all of the big companies that are out there do, um, have an IFRA membership. Some of the small indies do as well. It's reasonably pricey. So not everyone is a paid up IFRA member. Um, However, if you are a paid up IFRA member, you actually must comply with the the IFRA regulations. But if you are not an IFRA, a paid up IFRA member, um, you can still voluntarily comply with those regulations. So you don't need to become an IFRA member to comply, but if you are a member, you must comply, if that makes sense. So IFRA compliance certificates are provided by fragrance manufacturers and producers. So if you were to buy a perfume oil or a fragrance from a fragrance company to use in your product, that would come with an IFRA compliance certificate that you would then put in your product information file and provide to your safety assessor. So therefore, if you are making the perfume yourself, you are the producer, you are the fragrance manufacturer, and you need to fill in your own IFRA certificate. So you can go onto the IFRA website, which again, I'll link in the show notes, and that can be downloaded from their website. And you, it's a it's a self-filling in form. You actually put, fill that in yourself and provide that to say, yes, um, you can, we can use this fragrance in said product at this particular percentage, but not above that. So just for clarity, sometimes there are materials in your fragrance that would be compliant if they are in at a certain percentage, but not over another certain percentage. So say I wanted to make a perfume that's got some restricted materials in And when I've done all of my calculations, I can put that perfume into a fragrance at 10%. And and that is the upper limit. If I then wanted to do a 20% strength of that particular formulation, I would need to go and reformulate that slightly to make sure that those materials that are restricted are under the limit because I can't just go ahead and increase the, the, the strength of my fragrance. It would then push it out of compliance, if that makes sense. 
again, I fill this in a, in a lot more detail um, in the tutorial and obviously in the mastermind too. So even if you are not selling your perfumes, I would definitely advise anyone who is a serious perfume maker to really understand IFRA and why certain materials are restricted and certain materials are not as part of your ongoing education. Now, a lot of people, and again, I'm not going to go into this specific thing in this podcast episode because I'm not an IFRA expert and I'm hoping to get someone on who is behind the scenes, who's heavily involved with IFRA to talk about this a little bit more. But what I will say is a lot of people think that IFRA is just going around banning materials and they say, oh God, you know, IFRA, they're, they're, you know, they're always like restricting or banning things and they're party poopers and they're making things really difficult. But actually what they are doing is pushing back against lobby groups. So there are lobby groups in lots of different countries that basically want to ban all sorts of fragrance materials. And, you know, if they had their way, we'd have no fragrance in our products whatsoever. And IFRA actually, as part of their role, they do the testing, they do the pushback back to make sure that um, we can still use a wide variety of different materials in our products. Sometimes when they, when they do their research, they find that actually, yes, they have got a point and, you know, we do need to maybe ban some materials even or restrict others more. And each year we do have certain amendments. So make sure that you always are up to date with what the particular amendment is. Okay, so to see if any of your fragrance materials that you're using in your formulation or even components of your essential oils or absolutes are included. So it's not just about aroma chemicals here. A lot of essential oils and absolutes have got components in them that might be restricted by IFRA. Um, to go and find that, you can go and search their database. So again, I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can have a look and familiarize yourself with it. Every restricted component is listed on the IFRA database. Not every fragrance material in the world is listed on the IFRA database because if it's not there, it, it you know, potentially it's not restricted. And if it's not on the database and it's not restricted, it means there's no limit to the amount that you can use in your fragrance. So if, but however, if it is not there or you can't find it, don't assume because it might be listed under a different name. So for example, if you put the name of an essential oil in, you might not find anything come up, but you need to familiarize yourself with the components of your essential oils because certain materials that are naturally present in essential oils and absolutes might be listed under that particular chemical name. Again, if it's an aroma chemical, then might, you might be familiar with a trade name, for example, I don't know, Hediona or Isui Super, but it will actually be listed under the chemical name. So a really, really handy tool is something called the Good Sense Guide. And I will link that in the show notes as well, because you can cross check and it should show you if there's any restrictions on particular materials. And they do use synonyms and trade names and all sorts in there as well. So Many, as I said before, many natural materials are not restricted as a whole, but there are components within them that might be. So again, another reason why you need to educate yourself on your materials, really become familiar, not only with the smell of the material, but the chemical breakdown of your essential oils as well. Now, the amount of restricted materials allowed in your product 
also depends on the category of your product. So what do I mean by that? So for example, you might have a skincare product that has is a face cream and you are creating a fragrance to go in that face cream that is going to be applied to the face. Now, the category for that is going to be different to the category for a what we would call a fine fragrance. So something that's going to be sprayed all over the body. It will also be different from something that might be rinsed off. So if we are making a fragrance for a shower gel, for example, where the fragrance is going to be used in the shower or in the bath, and actually we're going to rinse it off, there is going to be a different category for that as well. So make sure you know what category your product falls into. And then you can look up on the IFRA database, what your compliance level is. So for example, I might have a material that is restricted to, I don't know, 3% in a skincare product. But if I was to put that into something like a reed diffuser, you know, maybe there would be another restriction. And if I was to put it into a candle, there would be no restrictions at all. And so just to keep, just as a, um, a little extra here, Whereas your cosmetic industry regulations are just about cosmetic products, IFRA is concerned with fragrance in all products across the board. So it doesn't matter whether it is a candle, whether it's a room spray or whether it is a face cream or a perfume, that all is, a, is covered under IFRA and there will be different categories for each product. So what about labelling your product? and labeling your perfume. So as I mentioned before, IFRA and labeling regulations are different things. Labeling cosmetics for selling products in the EU, for example, will come under the EU cosmetics regs. For the USA, it will be the FDA. So again, make sure you look up your own country's um, requirements. And one of the reasons that you can list Parfum um, sometimes you see it in the what we call the inky listing. So the ingredients formulation listing on a product, you might not see all of the ingredients, you will see a little asterisk and it will say parfum. Now, the reason that we can add that on a label without disclosing the whole formulation is really down to IFRA's work to protect the intellectual property of the perfumer. Now, some people choose to disclose everything and some don't. And listing part, and this is something that I see a lot online, um, especially with people who are, I don't know what the word I would, I would use for them is, people who are very, very afraid of fragrance, who are maybe trying to get fragrance banned, um, people who are not particularly well educated on what goes into a fragrance. Um, talk about this all the time and they say, oh, perfume, if, if you have parfum on a label of a product, run for the hills because it means it's full of toxic things. Now, that isn't true at all. Listing parfum on a label does not mean the fragrance is full of nasties and it actually doesn't even mean that it's not a natural perfume. It is simply there to protect the formulation. It can be used for all fragrances, regardless of whether they contain all naturals or they can they are a combination of natural or synthetic components. It is not does it does not mean that that it's full of nasties and it doesn't mean that it's a wholly synthetic perfume. Some companies, many natural perfumers, choose to disclose their entire fragrance ingredients list. 
especially aromatherapy companies, if they are using those materials as part of their well-being claims on their product, they might choose to include everything on the fragrance list. Some naturals companies choose to include a couple of ingredients where they are talking about them as key things in the product, but they might also do asterisk parfum for the rest of the combination. And it might be an all natural fragrance, but they just don't want to disclose all the ins and outs to their competitors. So Um, However, on your label, you must, under the EU and the UK law, disclose any allergens from the list of 26 that are determined as allergens. Now, currently at the time of recording, that is 26 allergens that have been listed, but there is a push to um, include many, many more um, in that list. So it could increase at any time. So if you're listening to this in the future, it might not be 26, there may be more. Again, just familiarize yourself with those. Um, so they need to be, they're not necessarily restricted, but they need to be listed on the packaging if they are over a certain amount in the product. So these will be things like you'll see, you'll have seen them on all sorts of essential oils, natural products. So linalol, citronellol, geraniol, for example, they are naturally occurring components in a lot of essential oils and they are on the allergens list. So they do need to be added to your packaging if they are over a certain amount. Again, as I said, this is separate from the IFRA restrictions. And it's important to emphasize here that a lot of people mistakenly think that IFRA is a UK or European thing. I've heard many, many people say, oh yeah, no, it's that's just a European thing. IFRA is not a European thing. It is global. Um, so keep that in mind. And again, you know, I would suggest that if you are serious about your brand, if you want to be taken seriously, then I would suggest as an industry professional, I would always suggest that you comply with IFRA for the reason that, you know, you're, it will be seen that you are doing the utmost best for your, the safety of your customers and, you know, professionally creating a product. Now, I know that there are going to be some people will disagree with me on that. And actually, you know, there are people out there who say I'm proudly, you know, if for non-compliant, because it means that I can use what I want in my perfume. And that is entirely down to the individual. And I've got an amazing couple of perfumes that I've bought from companies like that you know, I've not had a problem with them. I haven't had a reaction to them. Again, you know, down to you. But as a professional, I would always, I always recommend that all of my students comply with IFRA. It just means that you are potentially safeguarded if any of your customers um, have an issue. And if you are selling in reputable stores, you know, they're going to want to know that you're IFRA compliant. Okay, so um, to wrap this up, um, just as a, a like a recap, so in the EU, you must also have your cosmetic product safety report. Again, this must be done by a qualified individual to make sure that your labels are compliant. And again, for other countries, you need to check. Um, room fragrances and reed diffusers are not cosmetic, so they come under a different labeling requirement, which is called CLP. Again, you can type that into Google. You can look up more information about that. But again, under CLP, so even if you're creating a reed diffuser, room fragrance, candle, you still have to list allergens on there um, and they still do come under IFRA, IFRA regulations. And 
as it's not solely for cosmetics. So, but they just have a, a different, a slightly different category to a skin usage product. So, we've packed a lot into this episode. And as you can see, there is a lot to it. So, if you want any further information about all of these things, IFRA, cosmetic safety reports, um, go ahead and have a have a look in the show notes for the blog post that I will link to and the tutorial that I created as a bit of a Q&A for my mastermind group. Um, I did it for, for those people specifically, but you can find it on my website. All you need to do is pop your email address in and I will send you the link to that. And again, as always, if you have got any specific questions about anything that you would like me to include on the podcast, drop me an email to podcast at karengilbert.co.uk and I will endeavour to create a podcast episode on that topic. And before we wrap up today, I am going to be doing um, a very special episode in the future, an Ask Me Anything episode where I'm not talking about a specific thing, but it will be an, an, an AMA. So if you do want me to include your question in the Ask Me Anything, please drop me an email. I will let people know if you're on my, if you're not on my mailing list, go ahead to my website and join up to my mailing list. And what I will be doing is inviting some people, some of my past customers um, to the AMA and I'll do it live. So you can either send your questions in or um, you can join me live um, if you are within that sort of customer group. But I will let you know more about that on social media and via my um, my email list as well. So keep an eye on that. And as always, I would love it if you have enjoyed this episode. Please go and give me a review. It really helps with the algorithm and it helps me to know that I'm, you know, giving you the content that you are looking for. And thank you so, so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I will speak to you all next time.